0: Welcome back to the Across the Pod NFL podcast. The 2002 season is now complete as the Kansas City Chiefs are the Super Bowl champions after their win over the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday night. And my guest today is a fan who was on the preview of the game last week. A returning guest who was on our season preview episode back with us is Eagles fan Steve. First of all, um, obviously you, you guys lost on the Sunday. Have you recovered yet?
1: If I'm entirely honest, no. Um,
0: It it doesn't,
1: it's not as raw as it was um, on kind of Monday, Tuesday. I took Monday off work uh, and I just like shut down all my social media because, you know, all of us in the NFL community are big friends. But when your team loses and it loses a Super Bowl, everyone is merciless. There was no, oh, commiserations. Oh, so sorry.
0: Oh, you lose. It's just abuse. I mean, I will say, I did actually send you a text um, saying consideration, so I um, I will just put that out there that I did send that text. You but, you,
1: um, you broke the trend. Every other message I had was <laughs> unrepeatable on this podcast.
0: I think, I do think most neutrals were, It's. I think it was quite a mix because I think, I think the majority was probably in favour of the Eagles because people, you know, they know Mahomes is going to get there again, but you never know with the Eagles. So I think that, you know, I think there was a majority of neutrals that weren't NFC East teams fans that probably were tuning on the Eagles. Um, I think I think this was in terms
1: of the the supporters kind of going one way or other. This is probably one of the most kind of balanced Super Bowls we've had in a long time. You didn't have everyone on one side or the other. Um, and like you said, for a neutral, if you weren't a fan of either team, this was probably one of the best Super Bowls ever. It was so much fun to watch. But if you were a fan of either of those teams,
0: this was just it was difficult to watch. I mean, I said before that, I don't know how people who support the good teams like the Patriots example, have done it over the years because I've seen us play two games in the playoffs all my life. One of them was over within the first quarter, but the one I had to explain to was, I was so nervous. And that was not, you know, that's not even, that's just one game. And to have it again and again and again in such a big game to make it all the way. I just can't imagine what your nerves were like. And to have it, uh well, I'm guessing, three times in your lifetime, you've seen the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Um, that' I don't know how you do it because it's just an incredibly, incredibly tense experience. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, you mm-hmm. did on, on the losing end. Um, well, see, we were, we had, we are going to go through the end of the podcast, our predictions from the start of the season. Luke mm-hmm. isn't here, but you will see him later on in the week for his, his tales of his, of his experience at Super Bowl in Arizona. He, of course, went to the game if he hadn't listened to our podcast last week. Um, we sort of, we'll we we'll skip content a little bit to one of our first talking points, it will be to do with where that Super Bowl ranks in terms of the NFL greats. Because I did an article on this the other day, or came out today, actually, about a couple of hours ago, about would I rank this Super Bowl in a top five, top ten? And if I'm honest, I wouldn't put it in a top five at all, because as great as the game was, the one takeaway everyone's going to remember from this game is the holding call. And I think you look at the great games, look at the Malcolm Butler interception with the Patriot Seahawks, look at the Joe Montana drive against the Bengals in Super Bowl in 1989, whatever it was. You look at the the Philly, Philly special, and the, when the Eagles won it in 2017. You look at the the, Ian's, the Giants, Patriots, when they you know they stopped the Patriots being the first unbeaten team who went 19 and 0. I think you look. I think there's a lot of recency bias. People are calling it the best ever. I think there's a lot of recency bias in this game. People are looking at this game because it's so recent. By thinking look back in five years' time, I think this game will sadly be tarnished by, by the holding call. Um, we will mention that in a bit actually as well. But in terms of this game, where would you rank it? Would you put it as the best ever, one of the best five ever? Where would you sort of rank this Super Bowl amongst the previous 56?
1: I think that the problem for something like that, when you're asking a fan of one of the teams that played is especially the team that lost, um, how would you rank it? Uh, I would rank it as probably the most nervous I've been watching the Eagles at any point in the last 30 years. Um, even like in the previous Super Bowls, uh, when we played the Patriots, and, and you know when we played the Patriots, because we all seemed the Patriots in Super Bowls uh, until this time. Um, yeah, I, I just... I, I said earlier, uh, for the neutral, this was great. It was a, te- a game where both teams couldn't stop scoring, uh, and high-scoring Super Bowls are always great fun to watch, but... Again, it didn't have that defining play, other than the the holding call, which gave the the Chiefs the and, and arranged for the field goal. Um, there was also a lot of controversy over the pitch, which should never be talked about during a Super Bowl. You know, you have the whole year to get that field perfect for the biggest game of football, you know, of the year, and you don't. You you get it completely wrong. The pitch, the the pitch, especially in the center and over the painted areas it was like watching Washington play at home. I have not <laughs> seen a field that bad in a long time. And, you know, whoever's in charge of that needs to hold their hands up and say, you know what, I got that wrong. Uh, and then if I need to look at it and say, if you can't deliver, you know, they delivered everything else. I mean, Luke and, and Chris and so and friends of men who are there, they'll tell you that the experience of the day was, was fantastic. Um, everything went smoothly in the stadium. But on the field, which is where it matters, which is where the world is watching, the pitch just that the field was not up to Super Bowl standard, and that I think will be what people remember this for, not just the bad call.
0: Yeah, it's not as if it's a stage that you know hasn't had one before. I had the Patriots Seahawks one. I had the uh, Steelers Cardinals one in 2009. You know, it's not a stranger to a Super Bowl Super Bowl event or even just hosting an NFL game. And it's um, it was a shame that that was one of the main talking points. Uh, but of course, the main talking point of the game we just mentioned then was the holding call. Cool. It was late on. The Eagles, um, so the Chiefs were on third down. There was about a minute and a half left of the game. Eagles had one timeout still, you know, and the call came from James Bradbury, you know, allegedly holding on to Juju Smith-Schuster. And even though Bradbury's come out and said he was holding, um, I personally disagree. And I don't. I think it was incredibly soft, and I don't think it was enough of a hold to um, to personally be in such a foul. And especially such a big game, it's an awful shame that that has really been the main talking point, but obviously you had a massive horse innovation when it came to this game, but what was your take uh, first of all when you were watching it, but also in the days that have passed since um, it happened, has your mind changed since time, or do you still think it was as bad as you were saying to me on, on Sunday night?
1: I think that the problem with this game was that the referees had, they'd obviously been told before the start of the game, let the players go out and play football, right, so we hadn't seen holding calls, we hadn't seen, you no. Know, Bad blocks. We had not seen, you know, roughing the pass. We haven't seen. There were some pretty big hits, uh, and a couple of them probably you could have said that was unnecessary roughness. But they've been told to let the players play. So to have a game like that, which is so open, and the refs are just letting letting things go because it's it's all action. It's great for people to watch. To have it, you know, ruined on what was it? it was a hope, but it was you know it was a it was a ticky tacky kind of thing. There were dozens of those all through the game, which were uncalled on both sides. And I don't know why it is the refs with like a minute and a half left decided now is the time we need to actually start enforcing something we've been letting go for the entire game. You know, um, there's a great shot. I think you'll probably have seen it at various places of a couple of face mask calls that the chiefs just got away with. And I, I can't criticize the refs for letting those face mask calls go because that that Was how they've been told to let things up, let things be, let the game unfold, let the players play the Super Bowl, let the players win the Super Bowl. Don't have the referee involvement, so for them to have it again, it's that refereeing inconsistency that drives fans mad. When a ref can have a really good game for three quarters and then you know just decide in the fourth quarter, I'm going to decide to referee completely differently to how I have the whole previous game, that's what I know has annoyed the fans. That's why people are like that feels as though that, that call screwed us and it feels intentional. Um, but, you know, that's it, it's a bit conspiracy theorist because obviously Bradbury's come out and said, you know what, I it was a hold. I didn't think they had called on it. I did, hands up, fair play to him. Um, but I, I, it's one of those, if the refs are going to be calling very, very minor things, I would rather have seen them be consistent from the first quarter to the last as opposed to, you know, it was just terrible. I mean, I think we we had six or seven penalties over the course of the game um, and every single one of them up until that point, I'd said, yeah, that's that's fair and it's obvious. You know, the little things that, you know, interrupt the flow play, they weren't being called, which is how it should be. You should let a game be played. Um, and just to have that one, which, you know, that, the worst thing about it was, did you see Juju on Twitter after that?
0: Was it the thing with AJ Brown? Sorry? Was it the- yeah. Yeah, it was
1: AJ Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, it wasn't just AJ Brown. He, he has pissed off a lot of people, and not just Philly fans. It's Why am like, I not
0: shocked? Why am I you,
1: not? Shocked? It's like you won a Super Bowl on like a one-year deal where your career was saved by Mahomes because you were about to be, you've been displaced in in Pittsburgh by uh, by two better receivers, and you come out and you start acting the big man, and it's like he is going to go out next season, and every team that plays against him is going to target him. He is going to be put on the sidelines. Uh, and I suspect wherever he goes next season, if he stays at Kansas, if he stays at Kansas. I don't think he'll stay on a long term deal. He didn't show enough in that game to get a long term deal. Um, but wherever he goes, he's going to be one of the most unpopular players in the league. And I know you kind of ride for your boys if they're, if they're one of your teammates, but I think even even in the most friendly locker rooms, Juju is going to be an outcast.
0: Yeah, I mean, I will say in his defense, there was out the one drive leading up to the. The eventual holding, the whole, well, the inverted commas holding call and, and and the field goal, I think he had some big catches in that. But I think, you know, the whole season, he's only had three touchdowns all season. You know, he remember in the COVID year, he was annoying a lot of people with his TikTok dancing. I think he danced on the Bengals logo and things like that. And I think he's no stranger to that. But, of course, he's got a ring and that's all that matters. But I actually wanted to, this is a fantastic segue to the next question, is that Melvin Gordon is going to get a ring and he's not played a single snap for the Chiefs. Now, do you think something should change about that? Because it feels a bit it feels a bit hollow for him, probably, that he's gonna get this ring despite actually having no real impact on the field in a super bowling team. And then you see a lot with the Champions League. You see, you know, the whole squad, like third choice keepers getting Champions League winners' medals. I mean, do you think it should go to just anyone who goes to both sports? Do you think it's just, just it should now just in the future, only go to those who've actually played on the field or had some sort of role. Do you think that people who have not played a single minute in the whole of the run-up to their Super Bowl? Do you think um, someone like Melvin Gordon deserves to get a ring, or do you think he, um, or do you think he, he maybe he shouldn't get one?
1: I'm going to give this two two points on this one. The first one is uh, I love Melvin Gordon. Uh, I thought Melvin Gordon when he came through uh, with the Chargers, I thought he was going to be one of the, be- the best, the big things. I think he made a massive m- miscalculation in holding out on his deal with the Chargers. I think he should have stayed because he was he was the number one back. Eckler was his number two. He was holding Eckler up, but he was offered more money than he should have been offered. Any running back should have been offered at that time because it was during the period when Todd Gurley was resetting the market. Um. He went out and he started taking short term and one-year deals Etc just to kind of like you know re-establish himself prove that he was still worthy um and when he came to Kansas uh one thing you can't underestimate is the the effect him and McKinnon had on Isaiah Pacheco right having experienced um backs in who have been there done it played against the big teams played in the big games yeah to you know, guide your rookie through, you know, his first season in the league. And let's be honest, Pacheco has had a very good first season in the league. Um, I think personally he's displaced Edwards Hilaire quite easily this season as their lead back. Um I you can't underestimate that kind of you know effect that it's had on the player. So in that respect, for what he's given off the field to the Chiefs, um, if he was part of that 52 man squad, he deserves a ring.
0: Yeah, you put it good case forward. Um, I wanted to put out that I did actually before the season started, wrote an article saying how Pacheco could be one of the biggest draft steals this year. And I think he's proved to be exactly that. Sixth or seventh round, he had a big impact on the game. Of course, Kadarius Tony as well, someone who was completely written off with New York. Um in the Giants has come the Chiefs and become well, what ended up being a big part of the win. I think that, that run he made, you know, in the in the kick return. Would end up being huge. And I think that he is someone else that's really resurrected their career. Um yeah. in terms of the on, game.
1: On, itself... Kaderi, on is Tony, I just want to say I and those of us who watch it here on the island, we're a small community, but we kind of we we know our players. Uh we've all said for a very long time that Tony was a very, very good player. Mm. And it wasn't that he was bad in New York, it was he was badly coached and he wasn't in the system that suited him. Um, you know, I think. If they played him much more as a kind of short yardage player until he got his confidence up, played him in the slot um, for like the first six games, get to know the system, I think he could have been a much bigger weapon for them. But, you know, that's on the Giants. That's poor coaching on your your wideouts. And, you know, and you ask any Giants fan, that's been their their Achilles heel for years. They get a good, a really naturally gifted wide receiver in, and then the coaching is terrible and he fades within a couple of seasons Um, or he gets traded to Cleveland. (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, the, this is a Giants problem. And if I, you know, if the Giants were to go out this offseason and hire anyone, it would be hire a wide receiver coach that can develop your wide receivers because the amount of talent that has come in and out of that franchise is phenomenal. Uh, and Tony, fair play to him. That, that punt return was excellent. Stopped on a dime. Probably the only player the whole game that did, given the state of the field. Uh, made a run back, you know, brought it back right the way up. It, it was tremendous um and yeah, so you know, scored a receiving touchdown as well. Uh, him and Sky Moore. Sky Moore who hasn't had the best of debut seasons, uh, should never be allowed to return a punt ever again, right. if you ask any Hughes fans. Um, yeah, and I just fair play to him. Uh he's he will be if I if I'm Andy Reid and I'm sitting going through contracts and I'm saying I can have K- Kadarius Tony Star, his rookie deal, yeah. So I can have Kadarius Tony here for another couple of years and not pay him. Uh, or I can pay Juju Smith-Schuster another ten million dollars next year. I'll tell Juju to go back to Pittsburgh or wherever else he thinks he can get a deal. Um, that'll free me up some cap space to uh, to add to my my the rest of the the team. Which, to be honest, was I want to say it was the but the, the field's fault that we couldn't get the Mahomes. But I have to give so much credit to that Kansas O line. I mean, that's an O line that all season, you know, has been porous. Mahomes has been on the move um and it was just really stout it was so solid um you know, we we the fact we didn't not just didn't, didn't get a sack on Mahomes we didn't touch him we didn't touch him the whole game you know and that was our pass rush giving it everything they had in the Super Bowl so fair play to them
0: yeah I mean it's um it really you'll get a lot credit because this Eagles defense we mentioned it in the preview episode and I mentioned it before about how good it was I mean, four players on double digit sacks I mean it's a it was the best defense in the league. The third most sacks um, in any sort of season. I think only the Bears in '84, '85, um, and the Vikings in '89 have had more sacks in the season as a unit than um, this Bears this um, Eagles team. They had the chance to have the most sacks in postseason history, but obviously they didn't get any sacks in this game. And, you know, uh, Mahomes, you know, came back from an injury and you know had one of his most iconic performances today to have the injury he had and came back out of the second half a different player. And I think that you look at on the flip side, Jane Hurts, you know, he also had three rushing touchdowns, had over, I believe over 300 yards in this game as well. I mean, first of all, how much can you, you got to, you got to credit Mahomes and how good he played, but also that Hurts performance. Is that the best, one of the best ever quarterback losing Super Bowl performances you've seen?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, as far as my goes, um, I will take, you know, a bucket full of whatever drugs they pumped him full of at halftime because he came out halftime looking like he could run through walls and he went off at halftime looking like he couldn't walk. Mm. So, you know, that that chief's treatment room, yeah, some great work done there. But there's also, I think, a ton of anti-inflammatories injected directly into various places. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, Hertz. Ah, the only downside to Hertz. Pretty much in the last six weeks has been the fact that you can see he's still a little limited in his shoulders. Um, best example of it was when that that big touchdown throw to AJ Brown, mm. and you could see he underthrew that ball, and Brown had to make the adjustments. Um, and even when it came down to like the last play of the game, you could see Hurts just doesn't have the the he doesn't have the distance in his arms. Um, but everything else about his game, um, it's so like Cunningham, it's so like Vic. You know, and it's, uh, as someone who grew up with that quality of quarterback, uh, you know, at the Eagles, I just, I I didn't, I mean, I was one of the people who, from the first season, genuinely doubted him. I didn't think, I thought, he's another mobile quarterback, yeah, great, but does he have the accuracy, can he make the reads? You know, and I thought, he's just, you know, we had a quarterback who was mobile and and a bit taller and and could make the reads, uh, but he was made of glass, he was called Carson Wentz, and we gave him a big deal. And that was, you know, it all fell apart. I worry a little bit that we might do the same here, but I don't know. Hertz just has a little bit more about him. He just doesn't feel like he's made of glass. Um, he feels he's a little bit more a little bit more rugged. Um, his mobility is far, far better than Vince's was. Um I and I obviously when you talk to Luke tomorrow, I'm sure you might mention to Luke about what he thinks of Justin Fields. Hurts is basically what Justin Fields could be if Justin Fields could read a defense. Um, he's just, you know, he can sit in the pocket. He can pick his passes. He's quite comfortable there. Or he can take off and he can move with absolute lightning speed. Um, he's the prototype, I think, in the league right now for the mobile quarterback. Um, he's as good as Josh Allen is. Uh, maybe he doesn't have the arm strength of Josh Allen. Um, He's better. I hate saying this because my my friend who's a massive Ravens fan will not be happy. He is better than Lamar Jackson is, and he's only in his third season. Um, uh, and he is, and I don't care what you think. Look, he is considerably better than Justin. I'm a rushing. I'm a I'm a running back. Fields.
0: Although well, I will say, I do think Justin Fields is playing like what hurts played like before has got AJ Brown, so I think that if the Bears were to out, whether it's a free agency, whether it's a trade or whether it's a draft, I think if you're going to, see, with the capital they've got and the and the draft picks they have and the, the cap space they have, I think that they can do what the Bills did with Josh Allen, what we've done with Tua and what the Eagles did with AJ Brown. Well, I, I need to if stop you. What, the you've done, what you've
1: done with Tua. What okay. you've done with Tua. Destroy his <laughs> career. Put him into a home for the handicaps. <laughs> The man doesn't know where he is, and it's already February. (laughs) He's still concussed.
0: Okay, two is a bad example. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I do think that um, if you give Fields a great receiver, like Adrian Brown, like Stefan Diggs, I do think we will see a similar progression, and we've already seen him progress from year one to year two. So I think that the Bears... It's it's the Bears,
1: right? The Bears have a whole pile of draft capital, which they will waste. Because that's what the Bears do.
0: Yeah, the Bears,
1: the Bears could not draft. If you literally gave them all thirty-two picks in the first round, the Bears could still screw up.
0: <laughs> do you think that if they'd gone to one draft, they'd have probably pick Jeff and Jefferson in the fourth round or something, or they would have not even picked them at all? You know, it's um, they've not, have they even had a good quarterback ever. I think their best is probably Jim McMahon or Jay Cutler, and I think that's, that is really saying something because Jim McMahon was really carried by that defence in 85 and Jay Cutler's Jay Cutler. But Fields could generally be their best quarterback ever in terms of talent, if, if he if he progresses even more in his third and fourth year. I do think that... If, I'm,
1: if the Bears want to make a proper trade, right, they trade Justin Fields and a pick to get themselves a better, younger quarterback because there's a couple of quarterbacks out there right now who I think teams might want to move on from. and um, I think they should be the kind of guys they're looking for. Given the way the Bears' offence is set just now, yeah, I would not be surprised to see the Bills try and uh, the Ravens try and swap uh, Lamar Jackson uh, and some picks going back and forth there. I think that would be, I think the Bears rate Jackson more than they rate Fields. um, And I think the Ravens aren't going to pay Lamar what he wants. So I think he's going to be very much in the market this
0: summer. Yeah, I do think, I don't see the Bears moving on the fields, if I'm honest. uh, But I can see Jackson moving. the question is, I don't know who to. I mean, a lot of talk of the commanders. I hope for the Dolphins say he goes to the NFC, just to have one less quarterback to worry about. I mean, I think you look at the. It'd be good. I think it'd be great for the Falcons. Um, I think it'd be good for someone like them because they, 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 they liked. I think you know, Mark Emoto. I think he to their system. He just wasn't a good enough quarterback to do that. So I think that he is someone I think Arsenal Smith would love. I think. You know, I think them. I think the commanders are getting a lot of um a lot of love, a lot of um hype. Um, but I still think Taylor Heineke isn't as bad as what people are making out. So I do think that they they have got someone there who I think has got this potential. is the this is the reason
1: I think you're gonna get um you're gonna get uh, Lamar Jackson's it's cap space. I'm looking at teams right now, I'm looking at like, the top five teams and who has all the cap room. So the Bears not only have all the picks, they have nearly a hundred million dollars in cap space. That's nearly twice as much as the nearest rivals, which is the Falcons, who've got 51 million. Yeah? I'm looking around the teams that are quarterback hungry. There's really only the Falcons, the Bears, maybe the Raiders. I don't know what they're going to decide they're going to do. Um, definitely not the Giants. The Texans are oh, the Texans. I don't generally know what's going on there. Um, yeah, I, I think it's there's, there's going to be a free agency pickup by either the Bears or the Falcons at quarterback, possibly the Raiders. Um, if Lamar's in the market.
0: Lamar's in the market. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting to see whether what he'll do. And I think, you know, I think we saw the big move last season being Russell Wilson in the offseason, quarterback wise. I do think Lamar Jackson. I think we'll see Derek Carr. Obviously, he's now going. He's been released by the Saint by the Raiders. Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think that Lamar Jackson will be the biggest, the biggest headline, um, headline move. Um, but now we're going to head to our final segment, which is going to be um, going back over our predictions. So if, if any of you are old school listeners to the podcast, you would know that Steve joined the podcast back in August or September, whenever it was, to predict the season. We predicted all the divisions, one to four, as well as some categories going into the season. So again, Luke can't be here, but we will be going through his predictions as well. Um, what we're doing, we'll go through each, each division, And we will give it um, a point per correct prediction since the standings and the division. And then going on, we will give points if you got a correct team who were the wildcard team. And also then um, we've got Cataly's MVP surprise team, biggest disappointment and all these ones, giving three points if it's correct. One point if they were close to being this, and then zero points if they were way off. And in the end, we will find out who has won our second edition of this predictions award show. Our winner last year was Steve. He did win the predictions last year, so he'll be hoping this year he can he can retain his title. So going on to the AFC, and first of all, the AFC East, which obviously finished the Bills finished first with a 13-3 and record, the Dolphins second with nine and eight, Patriots third with eight and nine. And the Jets were 7-10 and in fourth. So my prediction was a Bills, Dolphins, Patriots and Jets uh, one-to-four ranking. So that is four points for me. And the same for Luke, who also had the same one-to-four ranking. (laughs) Steve, however... I remember
1: this one. I remember this one.
0: (laughs) He went for a Buffalo first position, Jets fourth, but he had the Patriots finishing second and the Dolphins third. So he still gets two points, but he is um, already... Behind me and Luke. Um Sorry, AFC... I know where
1: we went where I don't know where we went to came to the playoffs. So I think I'll get some points back there.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think you know what's coming as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, your hot take is coming, Andy. That's gonna be fun to see.
0: Oh my hot take was actually was so close being right. I'm so I was I really wish it did come true. Um AFC North. Now this is where it gets interesting. So AFC North, I had a one-to-four of Baltimore, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh and Cleveland. So the table did finish Cincinnati top with 12 and four record Raven second with 10 and seven Pittsburgh third was nine and eight and the Cleveland Browns fourth with a seven and 10 record. So for my one, I only get two points because I got Baltimore and Cincinnati the wrong way around, but Pittsburgh and Cleveland bang on terms of Luke. uh, He had Cincinnati first, Baltimore second, Cleveland third and Pittsburgh fourth. So he gets also two points. But Steve gets four as he got the exact same order as to how the AFC North turned up. So four points to Steve there. Um next up is the AFC South. So this is one where this is the most interesting prediction out of all of them. So <laughs> it finished. Jacksonville top with nine and eight. Tennessee second with seven and ten. Colts third with a four-twelve-and-one record, and the Texans. Fourth with three and thirteen and one record. I mean, we all had Houston bottom, so that is already a point to us there. We all had Tennessee second, but we all had them finish second to the Colts. And we all had the Jags third. So we all had the exact <laughs> same predictions for that table. So in the end, we all get two points for the Houston Texans and Tennessee Titans predictions. But you know, it's a hollow point for the Titans because we all thought they'd lose to one of the worst teams of the division in the in the whole league in their division. So not a great one there. And then the AFC West, the one that everyone was banging on about when the season started, it was the C and Z Premier Division. I don't want to think of my
1: prediction unless it was very <laughs> wrong. <laughs>
0: uh well I finished the Chiefs top of the Bowl Champions with a 14-3 record, the Chargers second with a 10-7 record, and then the Raiders third with 6-11, and Denver and Broncos with 5-12. Now only one person had the Chiefs winning the division, and that was me. Um so I had the Chiefs, then the Chargers, then the Broncos, and then the Raiders. So that is two points for me. But it is sadly no points for either Luke or Steve, as Luke had a Chargers, Broncos, Chiefs, Raiders, and Steve had the exact same. So they also get no points. So that is the end of the AFC, which, as it stands, um, means that I totally leave with 10 points. Luke and Steve both have eight And we are going to head to a quick break and we will come back for our NFC predictions review and also our awards predictions review. So we'll see you guys in a moment. And now we are on to our NFC predictions. We are back from our break. And the first division is going to be the NFC East. And of course, Steve had the Philadelphia Eagles winning the division with the Cowboys second, the Commanders third, and the Giants fourth. A division that ended with the Eagles winning it with a 14-3 record. The Cowboys second with 12-5. The Giants third with 9-7-1 and seven and one record. And the Commanders with an 8-8-1 eight and eight and record, finishing fourth. So Steve gets two points for that one for getting the correct positions of the Eagles and Cowboys. Um, As will I, as I got the exact same prediction in terms of one to four, but Luke sadly gets no points as he had a Dallas, Philly, Commanders, Giants on top four. But in a division that ultimately was very good, uh, team made Super Bowl, three of the four teams made the playoffs and, you know, one team was really close to making it as well. So, yeah, all round, probably the best division all round in the league this year. Um, NSU North, now... We all, we all had a stinker as we all had the Packers winning the division but in the end they finished third with an 8-9 record the Vikings won it with 13-4 record, the Lions came second with 9-8 and eight, and the Bears were bottom with a 3-14 record and the worst record in the league this season so yeah, myself, it was a Packers, Vikings, Lions, Bears so one point for myself uh, Steve also gets one point for the exact same but Luke gets none as he had a Packers Vikings, Bears, and Lions um, all because
1: Luke is delusional and thinks the Bears are a good team
0: <laughs> Yeah, no, I think they will be good but definitely not this season um, the NFC South probably the worst division this year in football uh, if not second worst either way it's the South division that's the worst um, Finnish Buccaneers winning it with 8-9 and nine, which is one of the worst winning teams I've ever seen in a division and then all three teams had seven and ten record apart from the Bucks. So the Panthers were second, Saints third, Falcons fourth. Now we all get a point each for having the Falcons bottom. We all get a point each for having the Bucks first, but we all had the Saints finishing second and the Panthers finishing third. So we all get two points when it comes to this division. And then finally, the NFC West, we all get zero points in this one. Um, for, 49ers won it with 13 and four. Seahawks were second with 9 and 8. The defending champion Rams had a 5 and 12 record and definitely the worst defending champion I've ever seen. And then the Cardinals were bottom with a 4 and 13 record. So we all had Rams winning it. We all had the Seahawks bottom, whereas uh, we all had, um, well, I had and Luke had 49 a second and Cardinals third. And Luke ha- and Steve had Cardinals second, 49 a third. So before we go into our awards, our wild card picks, so for this one, for the AFC, my ones were the Bengals, the Chargers, and the Titans. So only one of those teams made it as a wild card team, so one point there. Luke had the Broncos, Chiefs, and Titans. Chiefs obviously won the whole thing, but they were playoff winner rather than a wild card team, so we get he gets no points there. And Steve gets one point as he had Baltimore making it as a wild card team, but also had the Chiefs and the Broncos. So. That is the AFC Wildcard picks. Then the NFC picks in the end were the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Seahawks. Uh, only one person got a correct prediction in the whole thing, and that was Steve, as he had the Cowboys making it as a wildcard team, but also had the Cardinals and the Vikings. Whereas Luke had the Vikings, Eagles, and 49ers, all division winners. Well done, Luke. Um, and I had the Saints, the Vikings, and the Lions. And I was so close to that being correct. And I, you know, I was I was really cheering on the Lions. Especially towards the end because I was really hoping they would, well world the Seahawks would lose and then in the end they did win against the Packers but there wasn't enough so you know that was almost, almost a correct score. I think I think Dan
1: Campbell being in charge there has made the Lions everybody's favourite second oh, team. Just, you, you just
0: want the Lions to win something now. So at the end of that round um, as we go into our wards it's close. Luke has 10. But I saw lead the way with 16, where Steve is just one behind with 15 going into our final one, which will be our awards. So surprise team was our first one. Um, again, three points have being bang on one point for being close. So this one's a bit, bit. Uh, you could argue a bit controversial, maybe not. But I, I gave myself three points as I had the Lions being a surprise team. I think no one had them finishing nine and eight. No one had them finishing above the Packers. So I will give myself three points there and I will also give Steve, (laughs) sorry, Luke three points, as he also had the Eagles as a surprise team. And I don't think many had them, apart from maybe Eagles fans had them going all the way. No, 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 no,
1: no, 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 no. no. That is not a surprise team. A team that's won the division, like you know, three of the last five seasons winning the division. Um, how is that a surprise in any way, shape, or form?
0: Did anyone but you or Eagles fans have them winning reaching the Super Bowl? Or even, you know, going far... Winning, winning the division and, and going to the
1: championship game. Yes. Did you see the bookies odds at the start of the season?
0: No, I didn't actually, no. The Eagles
1: were sixth favourite for the Super Bowl at the start of the year.
0: Okay, well, so now I hit that. <laughs> going down to a one. Um, I, can
1: give, I can give you the Lions. I'm not going to argue the Lions. No one expected yeah. a 9-8 almost making the playoff Lions.
0: But, okay, oh, that, wow. That changes things a little bit. And then Steve gets no points because he had the Saints being a surprise team and they. I frankly stunk out the joint. Um, That's fair, yeah. biggest disappointment. Uh, Steve had the Dolphins. I'm going to give you one point there because they almost had one of the biggest collapses in in, in season history. It was to eight and three, and then lost five in a row. You know, and we barely scraped past the um, Patriots on the last. was the Jets on the last day.
1: I'm I, I'm going to push for that being a three pointer on the basis the Dolphins <laughs> almost killing their quarterback.
0: No, oh, no, no. We, we, it we made the say
1: playoffs. That they were a
0: disappointment were... as a franchise. Oh no, that 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 wasn't the rule. So uh, <laughs> um, now I wish we could give minus points to this one, but Luke had his biggest disappointment being the Chiefs. So he gets. He, <laughs> I love to give him a minus two for that one or minus ten thousand, but um, yeah, give him no points there. And I'm very proudly going to say myself three, as I had the Denver Broncos as my biggest disappointment. I think they were. Apart from the Rams, yeah. the biggest disappointment. So I, yeah.
1: I saw them live in London and they were just horrible. Yeah. I mean, Jacksonville should have won that game. Um, I have no idea how the Broncos pulled that one out, but
0: Oh no, that was a pretty terrible season for them. But I think next season they're gonna make the playoffs. I think they look much better without Hackett, and I think Russell Wilson with Sean Payton. I think that's a marriage that could work out well. Um MVP now. Only one person gets a point here, and that is myself, as I had Josh Allen, and he was one of the five nominated for MVP. Luke had Herbert, and Steve had Aaron Rodgers, so no points for either of them. Comeback player of the year, uh, myself and Steve both had James Winston, so that was a pretty um, pretty big zero for us. Um yeah. I think Luke should be given three points here, as he had CMC. McCaffrey and I think he should have been a winner. I'm. I was so shocked. Gina Smith won the award. I'd even given it to um, Saquon. I Bartley. know. I you can't give that
1: to McCaffrey. I mean, you can't see a player who has played consistently at a high level having a really good season as a comeback. He's well, not he was. A... He
0: was. He was in the three nominees for Comeback Player of the Year. It was him. Gina I have Smith, no idea why. Because he, he like, two years of injuries in a row. Um, you know, came back and was. Definitely the trade of the season. He really transformed that 49ers team. And Saquon Barker, I think, would have been a good chat. I think any of those two over Juno Smith, I don't think Juno Smith at all should have won that award. Um, but I'll give Luke a point then. I wish I could give him three, because I think he was my pick for comeback player of the year. Uh, AFC champions, we all get zero points, as myself and Steve have had the Bills and the Chargers, and the Luke had the Chargers. So, um, yeah, no points there, as no one reached the AFC Championship game, or even further. NFC. Um, myself and Luke both had the Buccaneers, but Steve gets three points as he correctly picked the Eagles to win this award. So fair play to Steve. That is a good, a good one there. Um, Super Bowl champion, Steve gets a point as he had the Eagles and they narrowly lost in the Super Bowl. Luke had the Chargers, zero points. I had the Buccaneers, zero points. Um, Defensive player of the year. Both myself and Luke had Aaron Donald, zero but I'll give Steve a point because he had Miles Garrett, who had the third most sacks this season. So I'll give Steve a point there. Offensive player of the year. No one really came out well in this one. Um Stephen Luke we have had Justin Herbert and I had Mark Andrews, who basically lost me a lost me a fantasy league in the final. So um yeah. Not sure I'll pick him again in my fantasy league. I'm sure he'll be a um, player I'll severely reject in um, NFL drafts this year in fantasy. Um now we probably have the worst prediction of the whole one coming up next, so offensive rookie of the year. I went for Romeo Dobbs, zero points. Luke went for Brees Hall, give him a point because he was looking like the favorite before his injury. But Steve went for Jalen Talbot, who I don't remember seeing anything from <laughs> at all.
1: <laughs> he he fell out of favor in in uh camp pre season and he just never really got on the field. No, and a healthy stretch, I think, in like five of the first seven games. So it's just something about the coaches then didn't, didn't take to how he performed in training camp and that was something
0: was done. Yeah, no, it certainly didn't do anything. Um, defensive player of the year, I get one point for having nominee Aidan Hutchinson who ended up losing out to Saul's Gardner and both Steve and Luke had number one overall pick Trayvon Walker who don't think was bad but I don't think he did anything, anything special. So, didn't didn't um, make the top five, I'm afraid. No. Um, I, and to
1: be honest, if I had to say, I would have given... Um, I I hate to say this as an Eagles fan. I would actually have given it to Kevin Thibodeau and the Giants, who I thought had an insanely good season. He
0: transformed their pass rush. He was good. I still would have given it to Source Gardner. I think Source Gardner was maybe the best cornerback in the whole league this season. And he's a rookie. So I think for me, Source Gardner was the right pick. Talking of picks, our final prediction was first overall pick. So basically we predicted... Who would get the first overall pick in 2023? Uh
1: albeit remember this.
0: <laughs> yeah, and um albeit we are aware that the draft is still to come and there may be trades, but as it stands, it was basically a, a prediction to try and say who'd be the worst team this season. So Steve and Luke get a point as they both had the Houston Texans, who had the second overall pick. But I am proud to say that I had the Chicago Bears as my pick for First oval pick, so I get three points there. So that's something I'm very proud of.
1: I remember just how angry Luke was when you said you were teaching the Bears. It was hilarious.
0: <laughs> and I was proved right. So, um, you know, people who are looking for someone to write them for NFL content or present on NFL content, you know where I am. <laughs> <laughs> so this means results are in um, for our second our second edition of our Predictions Awards. So in third place with a lowly 14 points is Luke. And then the winner with 26 points as opposed to 22 with the runner up is insert drum roll is me. So uh, I got this year with 26 points and 22 points goes to Steve. Um, But yeah, that is the end of the episode. We are going to do a few. We're going to do our episode tomorrow with Luke and he will be going through his experience in the um, his first ever Super Bowl. And also I'll be with Freddie Harper Davis on Sunday as we review the season as a whole. Uh, but yeah first of all thank you Steve for first of all coming on but also being a big part of the series this year it's been great
1: fun coming on uh, thanks for the invitation uh, I'm pretty sure we shall talk a lot about sport over the next year or so uh, I'm looking forward to winning back that uh, prediction crown next year
0: <laughs> well then, let, let the battle commence um, I, this has been the Across the Pod NFL podcast I've been Andy this has been Steve and we'll see you guys next time bye bye